Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Fred and Lou Hartwig family, Peter and Barbara Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize, and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees. And by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight from the left, the right, and the center over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Ruckettes join me shortly. Our topics this week is Troy Schulte serious about tax hikes? How serious is Bob Hamilton about the Senate race? And who is being taken seriously in the presidential campaign? Plus roast and toast. But we start with our Newsmakers segment and take a look at some of the issues under consideration by the Kansas City, Missouri City Council. Joining us for the first time, first-time council member Andrea Boo. She was elected last year and is the at-large council member from the 6th District. She lives in Brookside and is a practicing attorney. Andrea Boo, welcome to Ruckus. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with this. What caused you to run for the city council? Why did you do it? Well, for so long, I have, um, I will say, I've been on the sidelines of politics um, and watching from afar, and I decided that it was time to get in the game. Um, I am a practicing attorney, and oftentimes I was hired to represent clients at City Hall, um, and it was just time to work for the people and do things that um, would benefit those who either couldn't pay my billable hour, or just to um, further the goals and the ideas and the needs of everyday people. So you've been there for a few months. Is yes. it like you thought it would be? Um, in some ways it is. In some ways it's not. Um, it is very fast-paced in the last six-plus months. Uh, we have done a lot of things uh, that I think have benefited, um, as the mayor said at last night's uh, State of the City address, regular people, um, and it is very fast-paced, but, um, and having represented clients before the city council, I knew to some extent what I was getting into, uh, but there are a lot of things that um, go on day-to-day um, -day that um, I'm learning, and I knew that there would be a learning curve. It's a busy week, as you pointed out. Absolutely. The mayor gave the uh, state of the city address, and the budget's going to be revealed this week. Uh, without as much detail as the mayor, how would you describe the state of the city, generally speaking? I think the state of the city is good. Um, we clearly have some issues that we need to address as a city. Uh, violence is a problem. Um, we have some areas of the city that I think have been neglected. But I think in this budget, which I have not seen the full budget yet, uh, I, I suspect it will be on my desk when I arrive at City Hall today, uh, but I think this budget will focus on some of the areas of the city that have been neglected, uh, specifically neighborhoods, addressing the violent crime issue, um, and basic services. Not that we've neglected necessarily basic services, but refocusing the city's priorities on those issues. Well, I saw a TV newscast, I think it was last week, giving you credit for taking action to deal with potholes and maybe the creation of a pothole czar. Well, I will give the credit where credit's due on the potholes are. That was the mayor's idea. But I did uh, introduce a resolution last Thursday um, that was unanimously approved by the council to really take action to for the city council to say it is our priority to look at the issues of 
how we address potholes, not only on a short-term basis, but a long-term basis. And with that comes looking at how we look at infrastructure in our city and street maintenance um, on a long-term basis. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, so let me ask you for quick reactions to some of the areas the council's dealing sure. with. Uh, free buses. Yes. Do we need them? Well, I know we need buses, right. but we do, need they, buses. do they need to be free? I, free buses can help those who um, $1.25 will benefit them um, long term. Um, over the course of a year, putting that back into their pockets that they can use for rent, medical expenses. So yes, I think that will be life changing for some of our population that use buses as their means of transportation. Do we need more streetcars? I think streetcars, the expansion to UMKC can be transformative to our, to, to our students and to those who don't rely on automobiles. Yeah. So I think it is important because I think that the starter line served a purpose, but this serves an additional purpose to our students. You voted to put the uh, tax increase, the sales tax increase for the fire department. Uh, yeah. Is there a limit to how much sales tax Kansas City can impose? Yes, I think there, there, there is a limit. There will be a limit. Um, I voted for that because I think it's up to the, the citizens to decide. Um, Clearly, the fire department has some needs, and for me, I thought it was it was something that we needed to let the voters decide. Council one, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thank well, you very thank much you. for coming in. Come back and see us. All right, I sure will. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you. That is Kansas City, Missouri Council Member Andrea Boo. Now let's meet the panel and start a ruckus. Laura Isabel Alvarez is a consultant and community activist. Ron Freeman's a motivational speaker and writer. Mariel Halloran is a media and communications consultant, and Woody Kozad runs the Kozad Company, a government relations firm. I see that Mary, Woody, and I responded positively to the wardrobe email this morning. <laughs> Some of you did not. Welcome anyway to all of you, however you're attired. There are those who think that Troy Schulte can solve the convoluted and complex problems facing Jackson County government. And they are probably right, but they may not like the new county administrator's solutions. While the battle over last year's unusually steep property taxes continue, Schulte anticipates tax increases for the next cycle in 2021 and probably beyond. He points to certain areas where increases are virtually guaranteed. They include Brookside, Waldo, South Kansas City, Martin City, 95th and State Line, Ward Parkway, Lake Tapawingo, and the 4963 neighborhood. Now, this is not exactly the news Jackson Countyans were hoping for. So how are they reacting? We'll start with Laura. You know, it is a lot of heartache, a lot of tomorrow's Valentine's, and everyone's heart is breaking over this. Mm -hmm. um, it is something that um, many question, why should the people have to pay for um, ignorance of government? government and their process um, and government and their funding in what they need to be able to to be fair in, in this process. So it's not looking good. Do you think Schulte made the right move by announcing these probable tax increases this early? I appreciate the heads up, but what a lot of, uh, especially homeowners in that area are saying is that 
now they're going to have to sell their houses to avoid. And if the goal was avoidance, yes, he did. If the goal was to keep people um, and have them prepare, that's not enough time. So, Ron, why have taxes risen in Jackson County? Why were they lower previously? Was that a political move by previous administrations? I think without question, I think it's a reflection. A lot of the protests by the legislators are, matter of fact, their lights been shining on their work. It's a result of, I mean, decades of decisions in Jackson County that now we're having the chickens have come home to roost so much. But I think it's a good move by Schulte to be out front. Here's what's going to go on. And, you know, it's bad. It's not going to be good for a while. But I understand here's what's going to go on. Uh, yeah, it's going to at first response immediately. But over time, they're going to learn to trust that this guy's going to do the right thing in leadership. Mary, at the same time, they're announcing tax increases. Schulte's also announcing pay increases for a number Whoopee. of Jackson County employees. And that's been talked about by Schulte and others for a long time. That'll balance things out a little bit more. Happy people. Uh, well, I had a, a chance to review that uh, <clears throat> package of, of they, they changed their the whole system. It's not just, and they've put in a minimum wage, uh, average increase of about 15 percent, and apparently an extremely good contractor that did all this, and it's about ready to go into effect. So people will be pleased with that because that's a professional job and done well. I, I just wanted to mention something about Schulte. The, one of the big problems with taxation in Jackson County is they don't communicate with the public well. My gosh, the reason why their tax increases skyrocketed is the marketplace. You know, all over the city there is new development, luxury um, uh, uh, lofts and so on, but you know, there was no system to fairly incorporate it. One of the most wonderful things about Kansas City real estate is there will be great blocks of beautiful homes and then middle class homes and then an occasional apartment. That was a charming part of the city, but gentrification is not going in the direction of maintaining well, that. You know, Woody, in addition to these other problems, they're talking about computer problems <clears throat> and the need for a whole new computer system, which if they get, won't have people who will know how to operate it. Well, the only excuse for raising salaries for public employees is that you can't hire the right people at the salaries you're now paying. Uh, and so if they're having difficulty hiring in certain areas, that's where the pay increases should go. If you get plenty of people every time you advertise a job applying for the job, why are you spending the taxpayer's money to attract people you're already attracting. I'm sure they've got some categories, almost all governments do, where they're underpaying mm -hmm. the marketplace and they've got to do something about it. I just, mm -hmm. all I know is a couple of decades ago, the federal court took over that medieval shed we call a jail in this county. <laughs> and we were overcrowding in a way that would have disgraced the city jail in Tijuana, Mexico. And, and you we, know that from personal experience. Yeah, I, I've heard. And so I, I'm, it was, and it, we still got the same jail. And everybody knows we need a new jail, and those guys won't build it. And if I were a taxpayer in Jackson County, until I saw them doing something about that, uh, we're turning people loose while witnesses to murders are well, being gunned here's down. Here's another yeah. problem, Ron. That there are people who are appealing their property tax and they got a lower assessment approved. Right. They're not getting the money because Jackson County can't function properly and send them the refund. Yeah. Well, it's again, it's a problem in the system. You've got people who 
set a structure in place. First of all, you overtax people, and that's probably going to be worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $4 million when you look at the overall, what's going to be recovered by people going through this process, and that's my math, you will have to look at the numbers later. <laughs> but uh, the, the reality is, is that this is a problem created by the flood legislature, and now people are suffering for it, and we've got to make it. Let me do a final now. quick question for everybody, and just, just a quick answer yeah. by everybody. Yeah. Are these problems in Jackson County beyond solution? No. Ron? No. Never. Woody? No. Okay. The answer is no. <laughs> the name Hamilton is important in American politics. Alexander Hamilton is the subject of many books and at least one Broadway musical. He co-authored the Federalist Papers and served as the nation's first Secretary of the Treasury. But enough about Alex. How about Bob Hamilton of Bob Hamilton Plumbing, Heating, and AC? The Johnson County businessman known to many through his TV and radio commercials, better call Bob, is said to be considering a run for the U.S. Senate to succeed Pat Roberts. It's believed he could fund his own campaign and may be talking with Jeff Rowe, the former Kansas Cityan who managed the Ted Cruz presidential campaign. Hamilton would join the, uh, join the Republican field, which is already crowded. So, Woody, do you see any precedent for a businessman making a successful first run for office against seasoned political veterans? Uh, I, I hear a rumor that may have happened before. Uh, you know, Bob Hamilton, plumbing, heating, and AC, dial 888-4-B-O-B, remember, remember the, the 913. 913. Everybody in the metro area can recite that. Now, how do you turn that into an asset in a political race? And I think the answer is, if you look at the field, you've got uh, Ms. Wagle from Wichita, which is her base. You've got Congressman Marshall from the western part of the state, which is his base. And so, and then Chris Kobach, who has kind of an archipelago of Who support. has no base. Well, yeah. no, he Some does. Some people think. But he, he does have a base, a base actually, a and it's very loyal to him. Yes. So now, if you're Hamilton, what do you do? Well, first of all, obviously, you try to be the number one guy in the metro area. And then you try to be everybody else's second choice so that when the polling numbers go south for some candidates and some people get discouraged, they come to you. And I think the way you do that, you go first at Kobach and, and you say, I'm the conservative who can actually win. And that's, right. that's your first step. And then you just try and run a good campaign in Marshall's area and Wagle's area and be their number two choice and carry Joko and Wyandotte so County and so on. So it's not an impossibility. He oh, could no, enter and no, win. Not at all. And if he has Jeff Rowe working on his behalf, that's a real asset. Well, yes, it is. Jeff, don't remember something. Ted Cruz was the last guy standing almost against won, Trump. Almost yeah. won. Yeah. Yeah. And right. that's, that was quite a feat. Uh, I want to ask a question directed to Ron and Mary, because both of you have run for political office. Yes. Mary succeeded, but yeah, uh, in any place, I'll ask time, both yeah. of you. That's true. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> quick, quick, tell me this. What should a first-time candidate running for office be expecting that may not be expected, may surprise him? Well, I think uh, the name ID factor. I mean, people, credibility is, is a tough thing to get in that process, as I learned uh, the hard way. Mary obviously learned it the easy way. But you got to get your name out there, and I think that's where it's going to be expensive for him to do that. It's, if, he's gonna, if he brings enough resources to the table uh, and he's got to bring his own resources, I don't think traditionally he's going to be able to raise some money. That say, I, I, I think he's supposed to be able to fund his yeah. own campaign. So but it's going to cost him money to get But what about done. privacy? 
Oh, there is no, there is no privacy. privacy. Uh, and the truth goes out the window, too. People wow. can say whatever they want privacy. to about you, and that's one of the realities of politics. And I think that's why a lot of uh, good people weigh whether or not to jump in. And you, we've seen how what's happened to President Trump over the last three years. And now you're looking, I think you jump in that race, who knows? I mean, maybe he's got no skeletons. So, maybe Mary, like you Woody. ran successfully for the Iowa legislature I back, did, when three the times. back when the Democratic Party could conduct caucuses that worked. Uh, <laughs> I was actually what, what, in the, on the floor of the House when the caucus bill was designed. My good friend, well, a good friend of mine. So, you're to blame. Board. Not me personally. <laughs> I, voted, I voted for it, though. Yes, we, there's five of us said, oh. Why don't we put this in February? Back to today's discussion. <laughs> We're fine until now, man. What, what would a first-term candidate expect, someone who's never run for <laughs> office, it might shock him or her? About how, how shocking everything is and how tough it is and how you've got to have your inner life together. I would give advi free advice. Sir. This Worth is free every advice. penny. Worth every penny. Uh, get, get your own inner attitude toward what you're doing together. It's about the medium, the message, and the messenger. And you have to understand exactly why you're doing this thing and why you're running and what your, what your passion is about this. And then put it in the form of a message and deliver it every way you can. And if you, if you are not uh, totally at home, you you wither under the criticism. I ran in a race where Republicans were there had never been a Democrat one back in the previous century, and the Republican was a pillar of the community. Was so insulted by having to run against a Democratic woman that I never met him. Uh, I never met him in the, during the whole race. So you got to be prepared for tough. Stuff. Laura, very quickly, final question. The Democratic nominee presumptive for the U.S. Senate from Kansas, Barbara Bollier, is raising a lot of money, over a million dollars, setting a record. Why do you think that's happening? I'm going to say something kind of epic. The Latinx community in Kansas is rapidly growing and rapidly getting politically active. And she's actually listening to the Latinx community. I'm not going to say the, the that what communi community. The Latinx community. Oh, Latinx people yes. who were formerly or uh, formerly Latin. No, we are no. we are <laughs> we are offended because the Spanish language contains gendered. Uh, we're not offended. We're just inclusive. Uh, we don't make you choose what identity Latino, you want to have. We're inclusive. So that's why all. she's. Taking I, in lots of money? I, no, I think that, that that's helping her okay. raise some money because okay. she's into networks that maybe in politics we haven't made space for. The yeah. reason she's raising money is she's very good and at it. And she's the only candidate in well, the race, and, and except Barbara, well, one other, Dr. I guess. Dr. Bollier, let's yeah, give her yeah. her proper well, and title. Laura Kelly's and, and two and years Senator ago. Senator Bollier is an extraordinary woman, and yeah. she is... I've never, I've never met any who do, anyone who doesn't respect well, her and like her. She's raising money she's from her. She's a great her, listener. She's a raising great money listener. from her neighbors in Mission Hills. Just yes. oh, little, we gotta go on. Little message. We gotta go on. We're out of time for that on. segment and the race for the Democratic presidential nomination. <clears throat> Some analysts think it's coming down to the three B's: Buttigieg, Bernie, and Biden, with growing doubt about Biden. Some think a fourth B, Bloomberg, will emerge as a top-notch contender after Super Tuesday when his name will be on the ballot for the first time. As a result of this week's New Hampshire primary, Senator Amy Klobuchar is getting a lot of traction, coming in third behind Bernie and Buttigieg. Some observers think by convention time, the race will be so divided that Democrats won't know for certain who their nominee will be. 
Now, all of us have watched Democratic presidential campaigns over the years. How do you see this one playing out, Mary? Well, I, I think you have uh, somebody in the three Bs that you gave there that needs to be maybe stricken. Uh, uh, I'll just give you what I think is going is to happen. Is that Biden? Well, yes. I, it is extraordinary that the man who's running first, or was running until a couple of days ago, uh, first in the nationwide polling, would come in fifth, excuse me, fourth in Iowa, and fifth, fifth in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, and and that just doesn't that's not normal. Plus, he the last thing I saw last night was he's down 22 points in the national polls. Charisma, and and Mr. <laughs> well, there are a number of so, things. So, how's this campaign going to play out? Who do you, who do you see emerging? Well, I I first of all bear in mind that this is the the beginning, and the 90 percent of the delegates have yet. Bear to in be mind, chosen. we only have three minutes. So, bear in mind. Sure. Well, I think you've got a great democratic, uh, inclusive battle going on. We have the gay man soldier from Indiana. We have the uh, two strong women and Amy Klobuchar. Who knew? Well, I did because I followed her Best career in the field. for a while. Best of in course. the field. That's uh, the best yeah. in the field. And, right and Bernie is, is surging with his, quote, movement now, the, the leadership of the how, Democratic How about Bloomberg? Thing. Is he going to emerge? Well, I certainly hope so. I, I am so. You prefer Bloomberg over some of these others? I made, no, no. I, I, this is our time for a woman president, if there ever so was. Klobuchar one. Is so that Klobuchar is the you know why? Yeah. Is that who you want or to bad. be the nominee? Fifty-four percent of the That's voters right. are women, and women are really uh, okay. Ron, but yes, I like Bloomberg. Ron, yes. how do you uh, see the Democratic campaign playing out? You know, I think it's interesting. Klobuchar would be the one I would think would be most likely, but because they're Democrats, she doesn't have a chance. I, I do. I think it's probably <laughs> going to come down to uh, probably. It looks like Bernie Sanders, quite honestly. And and I think that's to me. It, it's when you have a platform, uh, uh, a socialist platform. You have what's going on in the House representative with uh, their the socialist movement within the young. What do you call the squad that they have going there? Uh, that seems to be where the party's headed, which, again, this country, I don't think they're going to do very well in the general election. All right, Laura, regardless of who the Democratic nominee is, uh, what will be his or her best argument against reelecting President Trump? I don't think they should have an argument. No, you know, I don't think it's it's about an argument about why not reelecting Trump for Democrats. I think a lot of Democrats can come up with that list themselves. Um, I think the winning anecdote's going to be based on what they bring in as a promise and what they've already displayed. Woody, what would be the president's best argument for being reelected? Uh, are you better off than you were four years ago? Uh, you know, I got to give the Democrats credit, first of all. You have to learn from your past mistakes. In 2016, they nominated Hillary on the theory that boredom was the road to victory. And this year, they've wheeled out the clown car, and nobody is bored by what's going on. So I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. I do think this, Ms. Boyer moved to the Democratic Party in the name of moderation and now finds herself in a party where Bernie Sanders is probably right. the leading candidate. And if that's your idea of moderation, she made the right move. I'm with Ron. I think that's tough to sell in November. Still, though, Woody, the moderate Democrats are in the majority still in, in the uh, voting, voting in both states. 
Well, but if you add Klobuchar and uh, Buttigieg uh, a lot together, depends you get the majority. Uh, a depends. lot depends on your definition, definition. of moderate, I think. Yes. Yeah. All right, let's go to the uh, soapbox for Roast and Toast, where the Ruckheads have 30 seconds each to cheer, sneer, or leer. And we begin with Woody. Uh, there's more talk about so-called local control of the Kansas City Police Department. Uh, I want to congratulate the police commission uh, and the state of Missouri for the system we've had here for many, many decades. We've had a mostly, as far as I can remember in my lifetime, scandal-free police department, which a lot of cities cannot say. They're doing a, a, a respectable job in very difficult situation right now. And the thing for City Hall to do is leave them alone. Uh, Laura? I want to shout out to every person of color who has ran for office or is thinking about running for office. Um, in this country, you don't have representation yet, and representation matters. So kudos to you and hoorah. All right, Mary. I'd like to toast a really remarkable woman who did something very courageous this week. Her name is Amanda Kaufman, and she's a teacher who resigned in public and gave one of the most moving uh, speeches about why after the very disappointing behavior of the Shawnee Mission School District Board, <coughs> board uh, they passed for the first time, voted on a three-year contract with, that was unilateral. Uh, the teachers were aghast and shocked by their, by their actions, and 42% of the teachers under this will have fewer dollars in pay and no attention to their main concerns. She delivered a speech that has been now gone viral. 500,000 people have seen it so far. All right, Ron. Good, good work. I'd like to toast uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, recently released Created Equal. Clarence Thomas's own words, and it's about his upbringing, his struggle, uh, and the ground he, he took back in 1991 through his confirmation hearing and the taxing on his life personally, and the convictions he learned growing up in Georgia in poverty, raised by his grandparents. Just an amazing story. It's going to be at AMC Theaters uh, for a while. It's also going to be on KCPT later this year. All right, and finally, I saw this on Facebook the other day. Thought I would share it with you. Democrats are requesting $50 million for security at the upcoming nominating convention. The writer wonders, why not just hold the event in a gun-free zone? And that's Ruckus for this week. We are back next Thursday at 7. Now for the Ruckets and the crew, I'm Mike Shannon saying thanks for watching. Happy Valentine's weekend and good night.